0: Hey, it is so great to be here and uh, obviously came back off there we go perfect, uh, and so many of you guys uh, have been family through the years and what i what I really hope uh, tonight is. This is a big family room, and uh, my kids are used to me being a little wild at times, so it's just wild dad if I get a little excited. Hopefully, it'll all be for the right reasons, Um, and uh, I I do want to take a moment. Uh, Steve and Linda are not here tonight, Zanako, but I wanted to honor them. Uh, You know, you guys, they are such a gift to Laura and I and the whole Zanako family, And when I think about you guys, it's not um, just, oh, isn't that cool that uh, Steve and Linda are here and uh, Andrew and Heather and the family's here and then they've got kids. There's three generations here because you guys are a generational church. You're a multi-generational church called to this generation to display the glory of God as one. And that's a big deal right? We often talk about, well, we need to empower the younger generation. Absolutely. But it just so happens that the parents are living in the generation, right? And then you have grandparents, if they're godly and God-honoring, then they have things that you need to know in order to parent well and and for the grandkids to get what they need. And when everybody's in the flow together and nobody's trying to one-up everybody, but everybody's trying to mutually submit to one another... There is a beauty and a power from God that the world is longing for, right? Healthy family, and we always think nuclear, but I think healthy extended family. It says in Psalm 103, if we fear the Lord, righteousness will extend to our children's children, and I think we ought to believe for that over and over and over again. That's three, at least maybe four generations, and as I was flying in... I uh, was reminded of Genesis 12 because one of the things I was praying for you guys, you know, what part of our calling and you guys' calling as the Antioch movement is we go here, there, and everywhere. So we are committed to transforming cities, the nation, and the nations. And uh, so I was praying for you guys and saying, all right, what does it look like for Antioch Indy to go to the nations And God immediately spoke to me. It's like Genesis 12. And this is encouraging. I mean, this is, uh, if you've been around the Bible a while, it's a well-known passage. But it really was just highlight. This is y'all. Andrew, Heather, here you go. Now he said to Abram, go forth from your country, from your relatives, from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. That's just a beautiful promise, right? It's a promise for all the people of God, the covenant promise of Abraham. But here it said, I will bless those who bless you. The one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is missions 101. That the covenant... God comes to Abraham eventually become Isaac Jacob Israel the people of God eventually become the church that through this faith of this family the families of the earth will be blessed and as you guys contend for the kingdom as family people It is never just to kind of make it through. It's so that other families are blessed. They see the glory of God. It's so that ultimately uh, God will spread you guys out to the right and left throughout our nation. Different ones of you will go as families to plant churches and to go to other cities and display the glory of God. And ultimately, in my perspective, uh, it seems to me by the Holy Spirit, your work in depth with family will ultimately allow you to send families to the peoples of the earth it's just the way that god works and so the emphasis and the focus and the grace that god is giving you guys for family uh, really really matters and um <coughs> excuse me and whether you are single or married <coughs> little kids old kids can you throw me that just throw me that that's great yeah you can throw it great so um, wherever you are on the spectrum And I would say this, I'll just, you know, semi-prophetically here, um, is that uh, if you are single and you're not reconciled with your family, that's a part of the healing of your life and the hope for your future. Because you can't. Hold on to the past brokenness of your family and expect to be blessed in your own journey with God. You got to bless and at times let go and there's boundary things depending on the amount of brokenness. But of the heart, there has to be forgiveness, blessing, and honor so that you can get forgiveness, blessing, and honor. Right? It's a, it's a big deal. So, wherever you are on the family spectrum, this family thing deeply matters uh, to God. So, speaking of family, I wanted to introduce, reintroduce my family. That is our latest wedding that we just had. So, uh, on the far end, that is Kyle and Abby. They live in Washington, D.C., he works for Homeland Security, Abby is stay-at-home mom, and she's a nurse by trade and does a few things on the side. And that is little Elias and Levi and Miles having on their best faces for the wedding picture. Um, And then that's our son, Caleb, and he is in Washington, D.C. as well. He works in in the Senate, and he uh, is a worship leader and helped plant Antioch, D.C., so that's the D... Actually, it worked out. That was the D.C. side of the family, and then uh, Daniel and Kendall in in the middle. Daniel just got married to Kendall. Daniel was... Okay, so this was our... He's our fourth kid, and he's like Mr. Even. No need to talk. No need to be seen. All you guys are wild. I'm good right and um and we we made him go to senior prom because we said there's too many wonderful Christian young ladies that need a man young man that they can trust so you will go like we told him <laughs> we started it in 8th grade because he didn't he didn't want anything to do with girls. He didn't have a need for it. Then when we got to college, he did go out on a few, like, take a date things, those kind of things, but he played uh, golf in college. That's like a full-time job plus, you know, schooling. And he said, we said, well, Daniel, you know, are you going to... We also told him, by the way, that you had to get married. We just said there's, again, too many godly Christian women <laughs> who need a godly Christian man to fulfill Genesis 12. All right, so we just he's the kind of guy you got to prep him early, right? He doesn't want any fast moves. So then his other thing was, uh, he said, well, I don't have any time. I don't have any money when he was in college to date anybody. He said, when I get time and money, then I'll date somebody. So he got out. He got his first job in Fort Worth. Pretty good job. And then almost immediately, Out of nowhere, he initiates a date with Kendall, who we knew through our own college, Mr. Waco. And within eight months, he's married. I mean, I said, I think he's made five decisions in his life. But but when he does, he's good to go, right? So parents, just be encouraged. Don't judge early, you know. The eager ones are the ones you have to watch out for, not the hesitant ones. Okay, so uh, where was I? Oh, Kendall, yeah, Kendall Daniel, and that's Laura and I, and then Brady and Lauren and little Jesse, uh, and Jesse is now almost two years old. And you know what's fun? What gets really fun is that uh, Brady and Lauren are with Kyle and Abby, so once a year they take a vacation together by their own choosing. That's beautiful for the grandparents in the room you know that so uh, Lauren was pregnant in that picture she had a little girl our first little granddaughter a month later I think we got a picture of the little girl up there do we I think we got it no no this is the best oh there it is <laughs> wow is that amazing wow little hazel Man, she was born July 24th, and so she's a beauty. And then a, there's a picture of when she was born, we had all the grandkids. Uh, I think we got that one with us with the grandkids. Isn't that awesome? And you see the little guy in front, Elias? He wants his mom. Yep. <laughs> oh! She's taking the picture, obviously. So that is our crew. We love family. And as I said uh, earlier, God loves family. Right, You know, and the scripture, God calls us mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters. We are family, born again into a new family. Even, it seems to intimate the scripture, over your even nuclear family. There is a beauty of family that God has created to bring us into. That's why it's so important that the church is healthy. Because we need mothers and brothers and fathers and sisters, not just those of our blood, but those who are not. This is the beauty of God. So God calls us a family, and he calls us a body, right? He is the head, and we are the members of the body. And then he calls himself the bridegroom, and we are the bride. And again, for a dude, that could get a little weird, but it's not about some kind of dating relationship. It's about a glory relationship. The king's glory is his bride, Whoa, so God sees us as his, he's covenanted to us as his own by his choosing. He calls us his bride that he may display his glory in all the earth. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he thinks about you. That's why he's trying to help you so much with all your junk so that the glory might be seen that you were created for. That's why he, quote, unquote, has married you. That's why he has said, I will not be unfaithful ever. You don't have to be insecure anymore. For I am the faithful one who has covenanted to you. And I will love you and wash you with the water of my word and nurture you and care for you. And um, um, do everything that is needful for you to become glorious in this life. And ultimately in the life to come. I mean, for me as a community, what's hard is not to preach for an hour on that and then on this and on that. It's just so rich, God's grace towards us. And so this whole idea of we've got nuclear family, we have family in the body of Christ and in the big picture, so we are all a part of the body of Christ. We're the family of God worldwide, Right. Excuse me, and then we're broken down into what I call tribes. There are affinity groups and different movements around the world, and those are beautiful things. And for us, Antioch's our little tribe in the midst of all the big tribes, and it's a joy. We We're not the biggest deal, and we're not the littlest deal, but we're a deal that's a part of God's tapestry and mosaic that he wants us to be who we're called to be and then to give ourselves to the rest of the body so that the beauty of God's seen in Indianapolis or in America or around the world. So we're never an entity out of ourselves. We're only a tribe of the tribes, right? But we we have a Um, the the Antioch movement, then you have a local church, you got Antioch Indy, you have this community, this family, and then you have, again, your life group, which is a family within the, the Antioch family, and then you have your nuclear family, roommates and friends, and God gets it down to then it's you and God. So I just love thinking of things in realms of family because it helps us stay connected instead of distant. The devil is always trying to get you isolated in your head, let alone practically, in some way, because when sheep drift from the flock, the wolves take them out. It's the way the wolves follow the flock. And they just wait for the offense, for the unforgiveness, for the challenge, for the for whatever it is in your head, heart, or mind to get you to drift from the body. And God's made us a body. That's why we gotta lean into each other. Never pull away. If the Holy Spirit leads you somewhere else, great. Like my deal when people say, hey, I feel called to leave Antioch, Waco. I'm like, where are you going? You go from here to there. How can I bless you? But as you go, you don't go out there. The wolves are out there, I can't let that happen. Please, I beg you, go to this church, go to this church. Here's some others I would recommend. I'm not competing with anybody, but I care about the sheep and I don't want them to get lost and then destroyed. And as we uh, have each other, we need to be looking out for each other as well, right? uh, uh, Let me, me can I, uh, a little pastoral moment. All this is a pastoral moment. So remember, we said it's the family room. So here we go. The way the church works in a healthy way is not waiting for Andrew and Heather to bring the word or to bring the correction or to fix the problem or why so-so do that. The way that a healthy church works is peer-to-peer feedback, accountability, and love. If you won't talk to your friends, then this thing isn't going to be healthy. Because no, like, like these guys don't see you guys everywhere. But if you have a friend in business that is messing around, you say, hey, dude, I see you, man. You don't want to do that. Or if you have a friend that's messing around, doing whatever, peer-to-peer guts is what I call it. Have a little guts. Care for the people of God. And, of course, there's appropriate functions for every place in the body. But we need each other desperately. That's why life group is such a big deal. It's not just what we do. It's so that we can care for each other in the grace of God. Well, uh, I'm I'm sure, and if you haven't, I can send you the little clip on uh, uh, a significant thing that God gave us um, uh, for for a five-year word about this whole idea of going from a cruise ship to a troop carrier. Use the illustration of the Queen Mary from World War II. It was an allied ship that was conscripted by the allied forces, and then where it was a luxury ship that could carry 3,000 people, including uh, all the workers, to a ship that could carry 16,863. I think you see the record there. And this ship would go to five different continents. And um, many um, historians would say it shortened the war by at least a year because they retrofitted from a cruise ship to a troop carrier. And God has used this simple metaphor for us as a movement to say, wake up. We need you now. And we've got to shift from is everybody comfortable to is everybody equipped and ready to go. It's a different mindset. It's a different kind of church. It's a different kind of way of living when you say, okay, there's a real war. People are being ravaged by the culture. People are being taken out by uh, different things. Uh, It matters that I'm alive, awake, sharp, clear, prepared, and ready. Because whatever storms we've experienced so far, my friends, the greater storms are coming. But God has called us to stay in the boat, the church. Uh, Often uh, one of the metaphors in scripture is the ark. To stay in the ark. The beautiful thing about the ark, nobody was steering that thing but God. And he had his people in there. But I believe the ark of the future, the church of the future, is yes, get in the boat. But it is also the rescue boat for those in the water to throw them into. And that's why it's so important that every church is living fully, surrendered to Jesus in this hour. That we are leaning into God, into one another, sharpening ourselves before God. Because we are needed that is not an arrogant statement. It is God's design for mankind, right? I mean, that's, that's it, right? Um, so back to this boat illustration. As Andrew said, I, I'm, I'm very rarely at a loss for words, but I am at a loss for words. <laughs> Since January of this year, I have had more encounters with God, prophetic people showing up randomly at my door to, I don't know what to say. There, there's just not a week that goes by that something stunning isn't happening. And I'm, 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 I'm really, I'm undone. I mean, I'm personally in renewal and revival because of it, but I'm even more in all that God is going to extraordinary lengths To communicate to his people right now. And I want you to know because we need it. It's not just, wow, how cool is that? Praise the Lord. We need to know that God is near. Um, So in the midst of these things that have been happening... I had a particular dream, and won't go into it, but in the dream, the ultimate outcome was you have to get to Switzerland. And in the dream, I'm reminded that Switzerland was a city, it was a nation of refuge during World War II. It was a place of healing, restoration, renewal. And then ultimately, Switzerland, it was not only a place to receive people, but a place for people to go from. And there was a grace on it. There's always been a grace on Switzerland by God's choosing. <laughs> And what I was reminded of that God is setting up cities of refuge around the world. He is highlighting cities and the people of God in those cities to prepare their hearts, their lives, their churches, their communities. So that when the fire intensifies, there's refuge places for people to go to. Now, I know this is a little out there, so I'll just' we'll, I'll let Andrew fix this later. but so the, so you, so there's these cities of refuge where uh, God is setting it up, and this has been a prophetic word for forty years throughout the body of Christ, but it's happening real time. So I have this dream, okay, about Switzerland, and uh, I've been there once, but I don't know anybody there, and um, I got a call. Two days later, from two of our gals who were traveling in Switzerland, they had felt the Lord say, go to Switzerland. And they had some contacts, some pretty high-level people there. They went and ministered to these people. And they, they told the girls, you need to go meet this guy named Tillman. Okay, so I have the dream one week. These two gals, led of the Lord, are in Switzerland. And they meet a guy named Tillman. We got all the players? All right. So then Tillman... The night before the girls were introduced to him, he is, um, um, he is praying because he had worked 10 years in YWAM as a missionary 10 years as a home builder was very successful and the previous year God had spoken to him Tillman I need you to prepare my people for the coming days I need you to step out of business and I need you to set up a farm like a city of refuge to train and send people and receive people for the future okay this has been done throughout history so it's not a crazy thing I mean depends on where you're coming from but uh uh (laughs) so Tillman had prayed as he's in transitioning out of business, and a friend calls him and says, Tillman, God spoke to me that I'm to give you our family farm. So he was given a family farm, dilapidated buildings. He's got some work to do on it. But now he has a big piece of property in Switzerland. And it's the night before he's going to meet our girls, and he's praying. And and, And here's what he said. He said, as I'm praying, it's like the heavens open up, And I see a ship come onto the property, and written across the ship is Antioch. And I'm saying, Lord, what is this? And the the Lord says, "Uh, I am bringing Antioch to you, and they will bring you the blueprints that you need. The next day, two of our girls show up. And they said someone told us to meet you and there have some things for the Lord for him. And he says, "Well, where are you guys from?" He said, "We're from Antioch." And he's like unbelievable. And he's like, "Where are the blueprints?" <laughs> so they called me. But so, <clears throat> but I'm using these kind of things to let you know that God sees, God knows. He's at work and yes, that's a big way out there thing and uh, but it's not that far out actually according to the Bible That's very normal that we would hear God respond to God and show up in the right place, whether that's for a friend or a neighbor, a business associate, it can be for anything and everything. And um, and so Tillman, so uh, just to, just to kind of add to it, so we invited Tillman, we're gonna be in Rome um, uh, next week with all of our people from around the world. And um, I invited Tillman, he's gonna be there. And so uh, this, just before I flew out here yesterday, I'm with this guy and this guy walks up to me. His name was... Bayot Bauman and he says, hello brother. You know, I said, I'm from Switzerland. So immediately gets my interest. I said, oh great. And he said, "Um, I talked to another brother and, and he said, uh, we have been working for 10 years with all these pastors. We're gathering in Zurich and God spoke to us that we do not have all the blueprints. And somebody told me you have the blueprints. I said, Do you know Tillman? And he said, I don't even know who Tillman is. He has, he has no clue who Tillman is. And then he says, And he says, while we were here, brother, I just want to say, I have these friends in Iceland. And they are the sons and daughters of a move of God that happened uh, years ago. And they have felt like God said, set up, Hernhut, it was a base set up in the 1700s. Set up a place, a big space to train people, send people, and receive people for these coming days. And they have the land, and they have the worship leaders, and they have the prayer, but they do not have the blueprints yet for discipleship. What do you think I should do? Well, in the late 80s and early 90s, I was involved in that move of God in Iceland. These were my friends. The parents, half of them ended up falling into sin, and the thing really decimated. But here their kids are setting it up. Is that? That's just awesome. That's just awesome. And I mean, I could talk all night if I got going on all these kind of crazy things. But here's the deal. You have the blueprints. Yes. We all have the blueprints. <laughs> Actually here. I mean, the blueprint, Genesis to Revelations. The people of God is the demonstration for the glory of God. Living wholeheartedly for God are the answers and the solution to the brokenness of man. Of course, it is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God himself, the three-in-one made manifest. But he has chosen to create you and I to display his glory through the church. We are the blueprints of evangelism, discipleship, community, healthcare, industry whatever the issue of the day is God has an answer and man does not and humanism and globalism is disintegrating what we know of the ordered world and there's only one group on the planet that actually has some hope and some clarity and a place to point people towards and it's the people of God And again, this is not about arrogance. This is in the most humble of states. But we're not saying that we're coming in our authority. or We're not coming in our knowledge. The knowledge of the glory of God is made manifest through the word of God and the spirit of God to the people of God. So these are great days to be his, but even better days to be close. We need him. Our friend, Joe Ewan, who can't be here, Papa Joe, many of you guys know him, prophetic leader for our movement. He called me last Saturday, and he's in tears. And if you know Joe, not very often does he cry. And he said, uh, and we've been experiencing several crazy things together recently. And he said, he's coming. And I'm like, okay, okay. And he's crying on and off. said, so what's going on, man? He said, I'm reading Psalm 19 this morning. And it says the bridegroom will come out of his chamber towards his bride. And he said, I was undone. We have all these different words and things to prepare for 2025. And he said, I'm telling the Lord, he said, I can sense his presence. we say coming, don't, don't think coming again, don't think eschatology, just think now, right? The revival, the God making himself manifest in a unique way in our hour. And so just saying, Lord, I thought we were preparing for 2025. And he said, the Lord spoke to me by the Holy Spirit, He spoke to me, I'm coming because you need me now. I'm coming because you need me now. I can't wait because your pain's too great. I'm coming because you need me now. And I haven't, I've just been thinking about that for a week straight. I'm coming because you need me now. Somebody asked me, and I haven't even started my message yet. So uh, somebody asked me um, this week as well. I was, I was out with a group of uh, people in, in Los Angeles. And this, this guy, I was telling him all these wild things God's doing. And he said, and since January, and he says, there's something you're doing different. Or, or what did you do? Like, is there something that you did to experience this? And, you know, of course, a great answer, right? Is there anything I can do to position myself for God to manifest himself? And I just hadn't thought about it. I'm just caught up in, whoa. I mean, uh, and I said, you know, I'm not any better than I was last year for sure. <laughs> Maybe it's revealed how that I'm actually worse. I don't know. Um, it's not that I'm doing anything better. Or I said, however, the only thing that I can put my finger on is, and I love that Andrew was laid down. I said, I, we have been so uh, undone over the last two or three years by life and ministry and people and things that we just said, we've surrendered everything. Like, I mean, I don't, um, I'm, Lord, I don't need to be a pastor I don't need to lead a movement. I don't need any money. I don't need a house. I don't need a car. I need you every I like there's nothing you can't have. And actually, Lord, would you just take it away if it's not needed? But what I do need is you. I don't I don't need anything else. I don't and I and I don't mean that like, well, aren't you a hero? I just mean that like I really don't I don't I don't need anything else and whatever I think I need Lord you can have it anyway because it's I'm I'm missing it anyway so Lord just just lead I had this prayer in 2021 God I'm not asking for help anymore I'm asking for to take over I don't, I don't, could you give me a little money, God? Could you give me a little friendship, a little help, a a little encouragement, a little support? I don't need just anything. I don't need a little bit of help. I need God to take over every area of my life and every area of what, of who I serve and whatever I'm called to do. I need him to take, take the lead and overwhelm us with your grace because we don't know what to do. We've not been this way before in the Western world, at least in our lifetime. So, Lord, just come take over. So, it's not that I'm doing that much different. I think God's just actually taking me seriously. You know what I'm saying? Like, we all know if we're playing games with God. I mean, actually, he knows better than we do. But when you say, and, and again, it's not like we're, we're, we're all... A mix of motives. But if you just just get it out there and just say, Lord, I'm, I'm in. It doesn't matter anymore. I want you. And anything needs to be thrown overboard, throw it overboard. Keep me in the boat with you, trusting you. Because the boat, the ark of God, <laughs> is the only thing that's going to make it through the storm. And the people who are in that boat are the people that you're called to lock arms with to be able to take on the battle and challenges that are around us. All right, I said we have the blueprints. I'm going to give you one. Blueprint for revival, Isaiah chapter six. Hopefully a familiar passage. Uh, Again, I will just within the time constraints we have, I'll trust the Holy Spirit to really move on this. Um, So we go. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple seraphim stood above him each having six wings with two he covered his face with two he covered his feet with two he flew and one called out to another and said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory and in the foundations of the threshold other versions say and the doorway was shaken They trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it. He said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Wow, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, Lord, send me. Now, there's so many things that we could talk about, but if you read the book of Isaiah, Isaiah has so many classic revelations of God. He's a wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the prince of peace. He's the eternal um, uh, father. He's the good shepherd. He's uh, the caregiver. He's the nurturer. He's so many things, but he begins and ends the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 6 is this powerful encounter with the glory and the majesty and the might of god isaiah at the end 66 says to this one to while well, i look to him who's humble and contrite of heart and who trembles at my word and sandwiched in between there's this beautiful story of a savior a messiah a lover a caregiver so god is not one-dimensional He is multifaceted, but without the centrality of his glory and his awesomeness, you will not even have the opportunity to experience the tenderness of his nearness. So let me just say it another way. As a parent, um, one of the key things, and because there's a lot of parents in this room, listen up, here you go we want to be our kids friends so badly that we lose their respect if you do not create boundary and respect you're not able to tenderly love them and encourage them in the way that you desire we get it inverted when jesus is lord and then he lifts my head And says, I love you, son. Or when I'm devastated by my sin in light of his glory, then he's able to tenderly love me. Then love makes so much more sense when I deserve nothing when he is Lord of all, Lord of glory, King of glory, the Almighty God, and I'm just a little ant, I mean, when I'm just a little guy, then when he loves me, boo! how could you love me? Not just over my sin, but in my smallness, you think I'm worth everything? So without respect, you can't love in the way that you intend. Uh, Let me give you another example. I used to work with inner-city kids, and I took this one substitute teaching job for three months uh, for a lady that was on maternity leave. I substitute taught for three months, and it was the fundamentals of math class for 15-year-olds. That means in Texas, that was right before they're going to drop out, all right? So they have no need to learn anything. It was a predominantly uh, Hispanic area of town. So, of course, I'm this white guy from Baylor, from the, from the university. And I would stand at the door and they'd walk by Baylor, Baylor, Baylor. You know, they, they'd just take shots at me. But I wanted to be cool guy, right? I'm going to be their friend. It was mayhem the first week. Mayhem. These kids were just all over the place and I couldn't control things. And I'm a pretty clear guy, right? But you, but I mean, I just, I wanted to be liked, so it wasn't working. So I went to a teacher, been there for 11 years, and I asked the guy, how do you keep these kids under control as a Christian? I mean, how do you love them? And then how do you not kill them? I mean, what, how do you do this? And he said, I spent a whole year reading through the book of Proverbs, and he began to unpack it for me. He said, Until they have your respect, you can't love them and care for them in the way that God wants you to and the way even that you want to. So he said, go in tomorrow and say, first person that talks, you're out. And kick as many of them out of the class, down to the vice principal's office until they believe you. So I said, hey, everybody, I know you're talking right now, but one more time, week two, my name is Mr. Seibert. That's Mr. Seibert to you. (laughs) So we got a three strike system right now. That's one for you, one for you, one for you. Three strikes and you will be at the vice principal's office. That's two for you. All right, Juan, you're out. There it is. What, man, what? No, out, out right now. Then we just, I kicked three of them out. Uh, got him down to the principal's office. And I'd be like, whoa, dude. i mean, like, you're for real. And then somehow, by third period, they taught all the other kids, watch out. <laughs> Mr. Cybert's tick today. Or he is laying the hammer down. The sub is mad. <clears throat> but I didn't get mad. I just used the rules that we had. I kept my cool. But I just said, you did it. You're done. That's it. So within two days, they were quiet the whole time. And then I would, at the end of the class, last five minutes, I would say, hey, you guys are free to talk. Well, they never could get going. I mean, they just never even took advantage of it. So what the big deal was toward the end, of, in the third month, I mean, this is a big public high school. In the third month, it was, um, uh, at least in Texas, so, um, Hispanic Heritage Month. And uh, so I said, well, I'm going to have a, uh, um, uh, a Hispanic man who came out of a gang come and share, uh, you know, uh, to these, this inner city group. And I, so I got permission from the vice principal. What they didn't know is he had gotten radically saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, delivered from drugs by speaking in tongues and that was his testimony to the class and so he he shared his testimony every class for seven classes and they listened to everything he said and then my time was over so I, I actually <laughs> <laughs> what am I trying to say you guys look we have to see God on his terms in order for us to experience the love we long for all right? Here's here's Isaiah 40. Who uh, This is Isaiah trying to describe how big God is. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hands? Who has marked off the heavens by the span, calculated the dust of the earth by the measure, and weighed the mountains in a balance, and the hills in a pair of scales? Who has directed the spirit of the Lord, or as his counselor has informed him? I have, I've read this, I am not exaggerating, a thousand times. I don't know how many years I started with this as my devotional. And I just mulled it. Who did he consult? Who gave him understanding? Who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are like the dust of the earth. So when we are so worried about geopolitical issues, and rightfully so, as our place is salt and light in the world, but it's passing away. It's just a drop in the bucket. To the amount you see the bigness of God is the amount you will experience the impossibilities of God. Because faith is based on who God is, not the emotions of your heart. If you want to increase your faith Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. He who comes to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those who seek him. When you see God in his bigness, your faith grows by leaps and bounds, not because you became more excited or whatever it is, emotional, but because you became more solid because you're anchored into a revelation of who God says he is. All right, so all you guys with uh, little kiddos, when uh, we had little kids, we were bent on living missional. As I told Andrew coming over, if you don't wake up planning on being missional, it's not going to happen, right? You just got to say, all right, we're going to be a missional family. Here we go. And um, one of those things that we felt led to do, we had missionaries over in Russia, and we felt led to spend the summer in Russia. Well, of course, Laura gets pregnant, when uh, we made that decision, and then we said, okay, we told everybody we're coming, we're coming anyway. So we have a two and a half year old, and we have Lauren at six weeks old, and we're doing the 29-hour flight out to Siberia. And the airlines were not quite as nice as they are today on the Russia side. So, okay. So here we go. So, Lord, is there anything we need to know? Uh, first of all, everybody thinks we're crazy. Can't believe we're doing it. But why are we doing it? Because the God who holds the waters and the mountains has said, "Go," and we can trust Him. Amen. I got started getting concerned about staying. If God said go, yes. bad things happen when you stay. Yes. By the way, yes. if God's saying go. Yes. All right, just saying. All right. Okay, sorry, golly. All right, here we go. This story. So I said, Lord, is there anything I need to know before we walk out of the house? And I felt the day before the Lord said, get erythromycin. Now, we believe in healing, but we believe God miraculously gives medications. It's amazing. That alone ought to make you believe in God, just the medications they create by the Spirit of the Lord. It's amazing. So, erythromycin for infection. So, we get on the first flight. We're going from there to New York, and it was one of these budget flights, right? We picked up Aeroflot in New York, and we had four stops to Moscow, and then seven and a half hours out to a place called Ilana Day. All right. It's a long, long flight. So... And it's just us because the team went before us. So it's the two and a half year old, Laura, myself. And if you guys know anything about nursing moms, they have this deal called breast infections. And what happens is the ducts get clogged and it causes extreme fever and can be really dangerous. So Laura gets, we, so we get on the flight and immediately she starts getting a fever. She's at 103 by the time we get to New York. She can't move. She's nursing a six-week-old. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old, and we could have stopped in New York, but no. I, of course, I checked with Laura. We good. We started taking the birth and all that, so we get on the next flight, and I am carrying around. I have a six-week-old on my chest, and I only take her off to nurse. I have a wife laid out any way we can, trying to find extra seats. I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old and we, we um, kind of make it to Moscow. Well, by the time we make it to Moscow, which is really 36 hours later, the erythromycin kicking in. The fever starting to break. But it is a heat wave in Moscow. It's June and it's like 105. They don't have air conditioning anywhere. So the airport we land in, we have to go an hour and a half across Moscow to the other airport with a six-week-old, a two-and-a-half-month-old, a a wife that's breaking down in sweat, and we are on the adventure, right? We get to the other airport, and they tell us the flight's delayed by six hours. So now I have a -a two-and-a-half-year-old. I've got a (laughs) wife that's sitting there, a six-week-old. I have the pack on there. I'm walking around making sure the Lord's going to survive, and I keep asking her, honey, Listen, we can just get off now. And she said, did God say to go? That's all I need to know. Then let's go. We, we keep going. Just keep to the next step. So we get onto the plane. We get onto the plane. And when we get on the plane, in those days, the, 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 like if you think they've reduced the seats on American Airlines, try the Russian Airlines. So, I mean, like you're like this. And we had paid for three seats. And basically, uh, again, the lady said, if you want to get on the plane, there's two seats. So we get on this plane, fold in for the seven and a half hour flight. After flying and, and, and transitioning 36 hours, we get on the flight, and I've got a six-week old in the, in the papoose. She's got the two and a half year old on the flight. And we're like, Lord Jesus. Lord Je- I mean, Lord Jesus. I mean, just take us home. I mean, there's just no reason... <laughs> To go through this next seven and a half hours when we could be with you. This is, this is, I mean. So we get airborne and. I'd been doing a little some. I'd been in and out of Russia a lot during that time, and this was pre-9-11, and so I would always go up and meet the pilots. I knew enough Russian to share the gospel and that kind of thing, and I would always go into the pilots, because they were always on autopilot and messing around anyway, and most of them were drinking shots of vodka, which is not encouraging either, and so... <laughs> But I'd go in there and i said, has anybody ever told you about Jesus? And the answer was always no. I'd share the gospel with them. And almost always, everyone would pray. Now, only God knows their hearts, but we had some very good encounters with the Lord. So I've got Laura, the six we called, and we're taking And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, Lord Jesus. I mean, it's just a miracle that we're alive. And I feel this little voice say, you going to share with the pilots? And I'm saying, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm gonna live <laughs> through this flight. And, and 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 the Lord so gently said, he said, you don't have to. It's just an opportunity. You don't have to. It's just an opportunity. And I said, oh, okay. You know. So I talked to Laura and she's like, hey, just you need to do it. I mean, we're we're already here. <laughs> So I go up, knock on the door, oh, you know, come in, come in, bye, bye, bye. And, uh, and so we start talking a little bit and everything else. I tell them a little funny stories about our journey and they're like, oh, great, man, bring a little child, you know. And so uh, we, we go through all this stuff. And the presence of God filled that cockpit. And those men not only prayed, but tears and prayed for their families and contended for their life. It was amazing. And we finish that flight, and we get back to the place. The Lord gets situated. It's a whole other story. But the main reason we were going was to meet teams to do sports camps. And we went out and did sports camps. And 30, at the 30-year celebration, let's see, 20, yeah, it would have been the 30-year. At the 30-year celebration in 2015 of this church being birthed, 20 years. excuse me, at the 20-year 15, 20, yeah. At the 20-year celebration, I was in Russia. We went around the room, now 35-year-old family people and of our pastors and leaders. Where did you get saved? Sports camp, sports camp, sports camp. Half of them came to the Lord at 15 and 16 years old and are sitting in the room 20 years later serving the Lord because we went. All right. Because of time, we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this message up, all right? So here we go. Isaiah 6, he sees the Lord. Have you seen the Lord? And you say, man, I want to see the Lord like that. I wish I could see him like you, believe like you. You can. Uh, here's what the Bible says, the word is near you. I mean, it's literally... Everything I just told you, the faith, whatever God has for your adventure, is in here. If you look at the scriptures the way God says, reveals himself, and let it wash you. Uh, What's your name, brother? Nigel. Nigel. The word's near you. You got everything you need right now. There it is. The revelation of God, Nigel, is on you in your hand. And as you look at it, meditate on it, God reveals Himself. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord. Again, how we predominantly see the Lord is as He has revealed Himself through Scripture. From Genesis 1 on through the rest of the scriptures, you look for every place that God reveals his character and you just say, Yes, Lord, let me see more. And that sight allows your faith to be ignited. Then what does he do? Then he falls on his face and he says, I'm a sinner undone because he sees the glory. He sees God in his bigness and in his greatness. There's a beautiful thing about feeling small when you're Not in the presence of people, but when you feel small in the presence of God. And again, he's undone and uh, and he says, Lord, I just need you. I I don't even know what to do. I can't even speak because you're so great and I'm so small and sinful. What do I do, right? And what I would just admonish you to, to, to do is this. Sin literally just means to miss the mark. Okay, So all behaviors and all the lists are 100% accurate. These are sins, but they come from a root of detachment from God. So freedom of sin is a reattachment to God and his grace so that you might have power and victory over the stuff that is hurting you and other people. That's why the the commandments are, have no other idols. Don't have anything else that, that you're attached to other than God so that you can experience his power over sin, but also his grace to forgive sin. So remember, he's laid out. He has a revelation of his sin. That's the beginning. The coal comes and cleanses him for forgiveness of sins. All right, the cold, the hot cold, the fire, if you will, cleanses him from the throne room. The fire of God was put on Jesus himself at the cross so that he might bear your sin and my sin, and through his death, burial, and resurrection by the Holy Spirit, he may touch you with that same fire and cold that cleansed Isaiah and say, You're done you're free you're cleansed forever and ever and then as we continue to struggle in this journey of trying to live free here's the deal you're not partially forgiven if you bring your junk to god and receive grace again today from god and this one i'm not gonna worry about the time on this one because if you don't get this one i can't help you all right so here we go i I hope i've helped you by now but here we go here's the deal do you want to be partially forgiven or fully forgiven? Full, okay, all right. Really? Yeah. Most of us, though, are good with partial. Lord, thank you for the salvation, but I'm still a screwball. And I know my sins. I know I've done it. I know I've done it. I know I've done it. We, we just walk around thinking that grace is partial. The same grace that saved you is the same grace that forgives you today and gives you a fresh start. There may be human consequences for things you do, things you might need to go back and fix at one level. But as far as my relationship with God, I am fully forgiven every day when I come to him. It shouldn't be that way, but that's how great grace is. It's so great that I can screw up the night before. I can come before God and say, bless the Lord, all my soul forgives all my iniquities. I look at the cross and I am cleansed again by the grace of God. I have a fresh start. People may not let me have a fresh start. There may be things in, but I get to be free because grace is present tense, past tense, and future tense. Oh, Lord, just let them get it because if you'll get it, you'll live different. Because if you're accessing grace continually, even while you're messing up, but you're looking to grace and trusting in grace, you'll eventually find power to overcome because it'll be based on him and not on you. And we're free. And what's that last moment after he has this revelation of grace, the experience of grace, literally, then he says, who will go for me? <laughs> and, uh, and of course, Isaiah says, Me. <laughs> you love me. You forgive me. You're almighty God. Why would I not sign up for whatever you want me to do? One last thought is this, is that, again, I want to go back to what Andrew was doing. There's this deal in Isaiah 35. You know, there, just the whole book of Isaiah, if you just, it's, it's good enough to go, right? So Isaiah 35 is called the highway of holiness, And there's a highway that God works on. And it's called the highway of holiness. And I started by telling you guys. Somebody said, what has happened different? And the only thing that I could come up with is that I lay out on my face. And I say, God, blow through me as you will with no conditions. I'm not... I don't want to be in the mix. just And Lord, whatever in me is doubtful, whatever is hurtful, if there's anything hurting me or somebody else, just come, oh God. Come, Lord, and blow. Come, Lord, and literally have a track of glory on my life, God. I will stay down here until so that your glory can come. Because I don't need a little help. I need you to come. And he's coming. Forever who's humble and whoever's hungry. He's coming. He's coming. One last little story, and then we're gonna ask him to come. I was in Phoenix sharing a similar type message last Friday night. There's this couple, and they write at the this guy writes at the top of the page, 23-year-old, newly married. He writes at to the top of his page, if the speaker tonight asks me to sell everything because there's a treasure in the field like the pearl of great price, we'll go anywhere and do anything. In the middle of my sermon, I said, I haven't told anybody this in years, but some of you guys need to sell everything. <laughs> And then when the ministry time came, just what I told you, and this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to invite us into. I laid on my face and I said, "Lord, I'm supposed to be leading the ministry time." He says, "Down your face, Lord." I mean, I, you sure? I mean, like, and I just laid there. The time ended. People drifted off. <laughs> Eventually, I get permission to get up. I get up. There's a few people still in the auditorium meeting with God, and there's this couple standing over here. They said, "Could we talk to you?" And then he tells me this story. Because while I was laying on my face, the pastor wrapped it up like Andrew will here in just a few minutes. They wrapped it up. The pastor wrapped up. And he said, it's like a treasure hidden in the field. It's the pearl of great price. (laughs) I tell him to sell everything. He finishes it off with me on my face. If I wouldn't have been on my face, they wouldn't have heard the completion of what they needed. And this couple says, we're here to be anointed to go. (laughs) Where are y'all going? We don't know, but we're going. God is coming, and we're going, right? So we're working with them on some of the most needy places on the planet, and they are in. The hungry and the humble are going to hear you guys, not the perfect. The hungry and the humble, man. So I'm going to invite you just to come. You you can just, of course, you can sit right where you are. You can get on your knees. But like I love what Heather said, you got to do something if the Spirit of God is stirring you, maybe it's open your Bible to Isaiah 40 and just start reading. Maybe it's lay out on your face because, God, I need to be a highway for you to come. I can't get over my stuff without you. And, and I've been one of those that's been asking for a little bit of help. Lord. Are, and I want to say to couples, Ellie, you might grab the hand of your spouse and say, you know what? God has greater things for us than survival. God, would you come take over our home, our parenting, our lives, our business, whatever it is? So we're just gonna respond to him right now. And I just go back to Joe's deal. Lord, you're coming early because we need you. Lord, would you come on this house? Would you come on this family? Would you come on these families? Or would you come on my family today, God? We need you, God. God. We need you. Come and blow in this place and in the space we're providing right now. In our hearts and minds agreeing together. As we worship, just just let the Holy Spirit guide and lead you. Just whatever you're prompted to do, respond to him right now.